0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And
0: they'll have to hide their
1: true identity. Oh, what do you do for work?
0: I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh god, what am I doing? Love
1: Undercover, new series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world When that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics, unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. So, Super Bowl or bust? Correct. <laughs> the experience probably is overrated, to be honest with you. Um, it's how you prepare how you practice and ultimately how you play the game. Right
0: now I'm looking at it like man we got the Seahawks, yes it's playoffs, but um for myself it's I gotta do my job. I'm not trying to, you know, think about this storybook ending. You're a backwards catch guy now.
1: Huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> what other kind of guy was that okay. before? I don't know. You
0: can't go out there scared in the moment. You have to you have to be a little arrogant to go out there in that moment and and make the plays you need to make.
1: I kind of look at it for what it is. Like, I don't make it like all these giant things. Like, you know, like we're going on our third date. You know, hopefully we can take them home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a Friday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at GoogleStore.com. But more importantly, it is pre-super wildcard weekend edition of PFT Live. The Super is a fairly new arrival. This is year three of having six games in the first weekend of playoff action. And Peter, I was thinking about this yesterday. Why do they even still call it wildcard weekend? When it all started, it was truly wildcard teams. Four versus five when there were three divisions. Now there are four divisions and three of the division winners are playing in Wild Card Weekend, along the way, it changed. They just never changed
1: the name. Mike, you always ask the important questions. <laughs> that is an important question. The level of success that you have in your life. <laughs> now, I must I, I know. I have no idea why, why they call it's it Wild anything, Card. I'll tell you this. Right, <laughs> Mike. I'll just I'll just tell you this. In Monday morning's Football Morning in America, the phrase Super Wildcard Weekend will not appear. Said the get-off-my-lawn 5 year old guy. (laughs) You'll be getting a
0: phone call from the 212 area code that traces to a certain address on Park Avenue because they want it to be called. It must be called. It shall be called Super Wildcard Weekend. Anyway, we're getting ready for Wild Card Weekend here on... PFT Live, again, presented by Google Pixel. You are watching, hopefully, on Peacock or listening on Sirius XM85. Today's the day that we are usually live on Sky Sports NFL. And I always express that I'm not sure whether today is one of those days. And multiple of you watching on Sky Sports NFL will inevitably email me to let me know that it is one of those days. So I'll be updating my inbox to confirm that fact and if you're listening on the podcast well it's no longer live because it just doesn't work that way all right here's how it works today two hours to get you ready for the five games played saturday and sunday there's a game monday night that's less of an emphasis today we can spend more time on that monday we'll probably talk about it at some point what are you most excited about peter king as we enter super Wildcard
1: weekend 2022-23. Well, the NFL has figured it so that they're saving the best for last. You know, is can Dak Prescott go on the road and win a huge playoff game? Can Tom Brady and his 45-year-old right arm take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one step further than they probably should be allowed to go? with that record this year. But I think the Dallas Tampa game is not only going to be a really good game for ratings, but it's going to be a really kind of seminal game for each franchise. You know, is this the last game for Tom Brady as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? And, you know, will Jerry Jones be driven to even thinking about making a coaching change if the Cowboys lose on Monday. My gut feeling is no, that Mike McCarthy is good and he'll be fine going into next year. But as I've said on multiple occasions this week, Mike, I think we have to wait and see what happens Monday night. I think it's impossible to predict. It's easy to say, oh yeah, McCarthy's coming back. And I think he almost certainly is. But you know, let's see what happens on, on Monday night. Let's see how that offense plays. Let's see how Dak Prescott plays. I'm not one of those, by the way, who says that Dak Prescott is having an awful year because he's throwing these interceptions. He has the most interceptions this year that are not his fault. And I know that's a kind of a cringeworthy stat, but it's real. The ball goes in and out of your receiver's hands and it's caught by the other team. Whose fault is that? But anyway, Dak needs to have a good game. Dallas needs to have a good game for everyone to breathe a little bit easier in the Metroplex.
0: Absolutely. And I know Jerry Jones says the things Jerry Jones likes to say, and he completely supports someone until the instant that he no longer does. There's nothing to be gained by suggesting that Mike McCarthy is in trouble on Monday night. But if they lose again in the playoffs and you can draw a line, from the loss back to a failure of coaching like last year with that play that was well-intentioned but poorly executed because it was poorly planned because they never accounted for the fact that the umpire has to teleport through two bodies to get to the football. That's the kind of thing that can get Jerry thinking, especially Peter. And I don't want to get too far afield on this, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. I think this whole Texans interviewing Sean Payton isn't about The Texans hiring Sean Payton. It's about Sean Payton letting Jerry Jones know there is a chance that I'll just be down the road from you, by the way, in the event that you decide not to make a change and I decide to come back, although I don't think Payton takes that job. I think it's an interesting message to Jerry as he watches and waits to see whether or not Mike McCarthy gets it done the right way in the first round of the playoffs and maybe gets the Cowboys back to the NFC championship game for the first time since the 1995 season, which is astounding. My son was not alive then. And he's 26. That's how long it's been since the Cowboys played for the right to go to a Super Bowl incomprehensible in hindsight. We'll see if they can change it this year. All right. This is a, a a fun week, exhausting week, crazy week, because for 18 teams, it's over And we move into coaches are out, new coaches are in, what do you do with key players, how are things moving that way, plus plus 14 teams still very much alive, 12 of them playing this weekend. And one of the issues we need to talk about kind of brings the two together because it involves a team that's still playing, but their biggest offseason question regarding a player who isn't playing – and there's starting to become kind of a groundswell from within the organization, players, et cetera. Maybe he should be playing. That's Lamar Jackson. And Peter, I think that Lamar Jackson has heard the noise, has has discerned the whispers about whether or not he's doing enough to get back out on the field. Because out of the blue yesterday, here's what he tweeted about the knee that he injured back on December 4 against the Denver Broncos. Thank you, everyone, for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. Interesting that it's plural. I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process. I've suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain on the borderline of a strain 3. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee, and my knee remains unstable. I mean... Good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. Again, this is coming as it becomes more and more clear. He's not going to play this Sunday, and it's now abundantly clear. It's just a matter of the Ravens officially ruling him out. But John Harbaugh earlier this week talking about how a player can play, not just Lamar, any player. If he's less than 100%, as long as he can protect himself, yada, yada. And again, I'm hearing, and I'm sure you're hearing, there's just kind of frustration bordering on exasperation from the team, from the players, etc., that maybe Lamar isn't giving it his all when maybe he could be. And I think this tweet was a
1: reaction to that. Peter, your thoughts? Well, Mike, I think it's obviously anytime a player gets hurt, it's – it's almost impossible for people on the outside to know exactly what is going on. Um, And obviously Lamar, I would think, you know, issued this statement because essentially, you know, when he says it's a, a grade two strain bordering on three, he's trying to let people know that this is not your garden variety PCL strain where originally Uh, It was said that he should be back in two to three weeks. Now, there's been one noted PCL strain this season. Dalton Schultz Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys, the tight end, uh, strained his PCL in week two. He sat in week three, played ineffectively in week four and five, sat in week six, and then has played every week since then, and is averaging, I think, 58 snaps a game since then. So basically, uh, he missed two games, Dalton Schultz did, and played ineffectively in two others, and has been his old self uh, the rest of the way. And I think most people, and this week, Mike, I talked to two medical people about PCL strains, cut sprains, because i don't think many people actually know i really don't know what they are and it's an injury that does not get better with surgery it gets better with what i was told by this trainer aggressive rehab and you have to strengthen all the areas of the leg particularly sort of the uh you know the quad around there to sort of strengthen it and and the other medical person i talked to said A player is going to feel instability and the player has to have confidence that it's not going to get any worse because almost always it doesn't get any worse. And look, as I said, it's been 40 days since Lamar Jackson had this injury and by this time, most people who have PCL uh, sprains are either playing or practicing or whatever he's not doing either. And as I say, Mike, it's impossible not being in that person's body knowing exactly what he feels. But you're right. There's a lot of people asking the question, why isn't he playing through the discomfort of the PCL sprain? And, and look, the larger question, Mike, to me, and again, look, whether he plays, whether he doesn't play, I think Cincinnati would win this game this weekend, but that's, that's neither here nor there. I think the biggest issue going forward is he'll miss his sixth game of the season this weekend. He missed five last year. In addition, he missed three quarters of a game last year and three quarters of the game this year because he was hurt early in both games that he was removed from. And so essentially, you're talking about a guy who over the last two years has missed 34% playing time for the Baltimore Ravens uh, in that time. So if I'm the Ravens, I'm not talking to him right now about a long term contract unless there's significant protection in it for the team, which he's not going to want to do. And yeah. unless there's less guaranteed money than they originally had thought to offer him, which he's not going to do that either. So to me, the end game is. I believe in March, the Ravens are probably going to franchise him, and they'll see if somebody comes after him. I want to get to
0: that in a second. Before we close the books on this injury, I'm looking at the penmedicine.org website, maintained and established by the University of Pennsylvania, so I assume it's somewhat credible. The PCL means posterior cruciate ligament. It's in the back of the knee, the anterior cruciate ligament, front of the knee that's the one that doesn't heal on its own that's the one that if it goes you're done for months maybe longer that's the the ligament that runs through the knee and holds it all together the PCL gets injured when you hyperextend the knee and it can as Peter says heal on its own and usually it's injured while there's other trauma to the knee it's not usual for only the PCL to be injured if you have a PCL injury but we are at the point where there is a belief. You just read between the lines of what John Harbaugh says, they think he can play. And, Peter, I don't blame the guy for not playing without his long term financial security. I wouldn't play at less than 100% if I was potentially in the last game of my contract with no commitment beyond this year, with nothing to show financially for the risk I'm about to take. I wouldn't do it either. The problem is, and this gets to the point that you were alluding to, they're in this awkward back and forth that really isn't a back and forth because they aren't communicating about a contract now. And does he deserve to have a second deal? Yes. Does he deserve the deal that he wants? The Ravens think no. That's the problem. The Ravens have been ready to pay him handsomely. The Roquan Smith deal that was negotiated this week by Roquan Smith without an agent proves that the Ravens are indeed capable of doing a fair deal with a player who doesn't have an agent. So that's not why he doesn't have a deal. He doesn't have a deal in part because he doesn't have an agent, but also in part because he's been fixated on getting a five-year fully guaranteed contract, same as Deshaun Watson, without fully understanding why and how. Watson got his contract, and this is where an agent would be valuable, not just to negotiate with the Ravens, Peter, but to say to to, to Lamar Jackson, you want the Deshaun Watson deal, here's what you got to do. Number one, you got to tell the Ravens I'm never playing for you again. Trade me. Number two, you got to hope they say yes. Okay, we'll trade you. Number three, you got to work the market to get multiple teams to the table who want you and create a sense of competition among them. Number four, you got to dump one of them at the absolute right moment so their reaction is to come back and say, We'll do whatever we can to get you. How about a five year fully guaranteed contract? That's how Deshaun Watson got his deal. Lamar Jackson doesn't just walk through the door and get handed a five-year fully guaranteed contract by his current team. I don't think he understands that, Peter. I wouldn't understand it if I was 25 and I didn't have someone to explain it to me. So that's why we are where we are. They've had this impasse that has existed for months, and now, yeah, I don't expect the guy to play without long-term financial security, but the problem is he should have it because frankly, he should have taken the best offer that the Ravens were willing to make before the season started because by all appearances it was a fair and appropriate offer. it just wasn't five years fully guaranteed.
1: I think and again, look, I have no idea I' not I haven't talked to Lamar Jackson this whole season.'ve I've you know talked to him several times, many times actually. Uh, and I I like him. I think he's a really good person. Uh, with, uh, you know, excellent intentions and all that. But he just, I think, has a different opinion of what he's worth and without having an agent involved to try to say to him, listen, you know, Deshaun Watson's contract is an absolute, total, unequivocal outlier. It's not happening for you and evidently he doesn't have anybody telling him that. And again, Mike, it would be one thing if he was uh, if if he'd played full seasons each of the last two years, won a couple of playoff games and 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 played great and contended for the MVP and all that stuff. You know, there would I I could argue that the Ravens would say, "Well, we don't want to fully guarantee it, but whatever, we may have to do that." But he's left so many openings for the Ravens to basically say, you know, this is a quarterback who's going to make his living in part with his legs. You know, there aren't many who make it with their arm and their legs. You know, Justin Fields, him, uh, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Daniel Jones. You know, so, so there aren't that many. But the point is, if you miss... One third of your team's snaps in a two year period, that team obviously is going to have questions about your long term health and your ability to lead the team long term. So, this is not anything that is, should be, oh, the Ravens are screwing them or, you know, whatever. This is just the reality in today's sports, of the best part of ability is availability. And, you know, there's absolutely no way they can pay him this offseason what they thought about paying him last offseason. And that makes it even
0: harder to envision Lamar Jackson sticking around with anything but the franchise tag. And you're right. The Deshaun Watson deal was an outlier. And I don't know how much of... The end result was engineered. I think happenstance was a factor dealing with a team that may have been inclined to do something that other teams would say is stupid, like fully guaranteeing a five-year deal. But it all started with Watson being willing two years ago to be the villain and say, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm never playing for you again. And until Lamar Jackson is ready to send that message to the Ravens, he can't even start the process of working toward the possibility of that deal. Now, that said, Peter, and you alluded to this, franchise tag. All right, let's break this down. Shereen and I, yesterday, were talking about this. I wrote something at PFT last uh, night late afternoon about the options the Ravens now have. And it had seemed for a long time they would just do exclusive franchise tag. No one can talk to him. It's a significant amount of money for one year. And you keep him for two more years, and then he potentially walks away. But you're paying him a lot this year and a 20% raise over what you pay him in 2023 to keep him for 24. Then it's the Kirk Cousins model, and he walks into free agency. I don't think they're going to do that anymore. and. I had gone from thinking exclusive franchise tag to non-exclusive. And what non-exclusive does, it gives him the opportunity to talk to other teams. Now, the other teams would have to be willing, in theory, to give up two first-round picks or, as a more practical matter, negotiate something less than that with the Baltimore Ravens for a trade. That makes those teams willing to pay less when they have to give that up. But hey, the Browns gave up a lot of stuff and still gave Deshaun Watson a five-year fully guaranteed contract, so it's not impossible. But that's a way, Peter, non-exclusive franchise tag is a way for Lamar Jackson to go see what's out there or, more importantly, what's not out there. Hey, you want to go get a five-year fully guaranteed deal? We're using the non-exclusive franchise tag, via Con Dios. Go talk to whoever and you can sign an offer sheet. And you know what? Maybe we'll match it. Maybe, maybe we'll see the light. Or maybe we won't and we'll take the two first-round picks and move on. But I think... At most now, what you're going to see from the Ravens in the offseason, Peter, is a non-exclusive franchise tag with Jackson having the chance to go look elsewhere for that thing that he's never going to get from the Ravens.
1: You know, Mike, you talk about, you know, maybe negotiating with another team. Now, you heard Woody Johnson of the Jets talk yesterday that basically money's not going to be an object going for a quarterback. The question is... Would the New York Jets, let's just say, give the 13th pick in the draft this year and something substantial in 2024, whether it be a one or a two, you know, to uh, bring Lamar Jackson on, to sign him to a huge contract, uh, a, a, a risky huge contract? Would the Washington Commanders be willing to do the same thing? Would Washington be willing to trade the 16th pick this year and something significant next year? Or, in Washington's case, would they be willing to trade the first pick this year and one of their great different defensive front players for Lamar Jackson? So I, I think that it's possible that this could happen. And I agree with you. I think the more likely thing is non-exclusive for a very simple reason. I think the Ravens would like to see what's out there because then let's just say for the sake of argument that no one makes an offer. I'm sure that those close to Lamar and or the NFLPA will cry collusion in that case. And maybe there will be collusion. I don't know. But I do think that part of doing the non-exclusive tag is throwing your line into the water with a piece of bait on it and seeing if anybody bites. Because if nobody bites, that's going to help you a lot in trying to get Lamar Jackson signed long-term with protection for the team. And this is a fishing excursion, to continue
0: your metaphor, with two poles. The first one is, will a team bite as it relates to what it would take to make the Ravens happy? The second poll, Peter, is will a team give Lamar what he wants? And how will he even go about negotiating it if he can't get a deal done with the Ravens? And if we assume that the Roquin Smith deal is persuasive evidence of the ability of the Ravens to fairly negotiate a deal with an unrepresented player, And it shows they're capable of doing it. The question is Is Lamar capable of getting a team to give him what he wants, whether it's five years fully guaranteed or something else that's better than whatever the Ravens were willing to offer back in August? And you touched on something earlier, too, Peter, that I think is very important, and I think makes it harder for the Ravens and Jackson to get a deal done after the season. I think what the Ravens had on the table in August, whatever it may have been, and there was some reporting and not all of it was 100% accurate before the season about what the Ravens had offered. Whatever it was, I don't think it's going to be there after the 2022 season. And I don't think Lamar is going to be happy about that. Because Lamar is going to think, hey, if you're willing to pay it to me four months ago, why won't you pay it to me now? Well, circumstances have changed. That complicates
1: things as well. You know, there's, it's inarguable. I, I have no idea. I mean, if Lamar thinks that, it, it, you know, it's he's not living in the real world. And and Mike, look, you know, I do think. You know, I've I've really thought a lot about this in the last few days, especially since it now becomes apparent that he'll miss his sixth straight game, uh, when originally it was thought he'd miss two or three. Um, I think I think I've really started to think more seriously about the fact that on opening day 2024 the Ravens are going to have a different quarterback now you know what I think is going to be interesting to see this year is would the Ravens in a quarterback rich draft would the Ravens dare with whatever they're going to pick 20 21 22 I don't know uh, or maybe significantly lower would they take a quarterback you know, just to backstop them themselves and for insurance. Um, I doubt they would, but I won't be shocked if they do, either in the first or second round. I'm ready to go. Screaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And
0: they'll have to hide their true
1: identity. What What do you need for work?
0: I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love
1: Undercover. New series streaming now, only on Peacock.
0: Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. (sighs) Smell the fresh popcorn. Now, exhale. Ha <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies.
1: For the world's greatest athletes... This is the showdown we've been waiting for? There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. World Go for the United States. Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock.
0: I've got two other possibilities that the Ravens could pursue, and I'll be as concise as I possibly can, which sometimes means not very. It occurred to me yesterday when talking this through with Shireen, one thing they could do is just throw their hands in the air. Just accept the fact we got five great years from Lamar Jackson, 32nd pick in the draft, MVP in 2019. Sure, we never went to a Super Bowl, but sometimes... It just ends, and sometimes it ends because the guy doesn't play as well as he used to. Sometimes it ends, rarely, but sometimes it ends because we just can't get on the same page. We can't even get in the same room. We can't even get in the same zip code about what he's worth on a long-term deal. So we're just going to let him become a free agent. We're not going to restrict his ability to go to the market and see what's out there because we believe no one's giving him the deal that he wants, and maybe— After he finds out he's not getting that deal elsewhere, he comes back to us and we lay the foundation for a long-term future. I don't think the Ravens would take that risk, which led me to the final option that we identified yesterday after talking it through, uh, Peter. Something that doesn't get used very often, but is available to the Ravens. Transition tag. Right to match and nothing else. Lamar, we can't negotiate a deal with you. Go negotiate a deal with another team and we'll have five days to decide whether or not to match it. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But we give up. We give up. We can't negotiate a long-term deal with you. If you can go negotiate the deal you want with someone else, then maybe we'll match it. To me, that may be the best option. Again, it's risky. There's a chance he's walking away and you're not getting any compensation other than whatever compensatory draft pick you'd be eligible for in 2024. But if they really aren't at the end of their rope with this, That would be a a not bad option because it's a lower one-year salary if he doesn't find a long-term deal elsewhere. You keep him around, and it's an opportunity. Now, would somebody else out there want to do the Ravens' work for them? Would they craft some sort of a deal the Ravens couldn't or wouldn't match? That's part of the risk you take. But, Peter, the more I think about it, it's not a bad option. It's not a bad option. If you think, if you're confident that – Another team is going to have the same difficulties you've had trying to get this guy to understand and accept and appreciate the realities of the market and why a five-year fully guaranteed contract doesn't work for a player like him who may may have his best days behind him as a running quarterback. I, I think that that may be the way for the Ravens to go if they're willing to take that risk that
1: somebody loads up a contract that they can't match. I'll tell you why I don't like that at all for Baltimore. And that's this reason. Suppose Lamar goes out there and the best offer he gets is, and I'm going to make this up, five years, 150, with 120 million guaranteed. Let's just say. Okay. Well, then let's say the Ravens match that. And Lamar Jackson has to go back to Baltimore with his tail between his legs with a lousy contract, say eighty million less than he could have gotten six months ago. And Lamar Jackson is feeling I I I got totally jobbed. I got I got used. I, I you know, this is not at all what I wanted. And I don't want to play for the Ravens anymore. You know, you're basically forcing him to play for the next five years at a level of pay that he thinks it borders on insulting. So that's why I wouldn't do it. I I mean, I just wouldn't do it. I would much rather pay him, you know, guarantee him basically a franchise number and, 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 you know, in essence, basically say to him, Look, this is a non-exclusive franchise tag. So you go out and do the best that you can do. We'll decide whether we want to match. And if we don't match, we'll take the two ones or whatever the negotiated settlement is. I just think that makes the most sense to me anyway. And Peter,
0: you mentioned something earlier that's important for us to highlight and underscore collusion. There's already a collusion grievance that's been filed by the NFL Players Association against the NFL over this concept of not giving players, veteran players, fully guaranteed contracts. Now, every first-round draft pick at this point, it's evolved to the point where all 32 of them get four-year fully guaranteed deals. It's veteran deals that aren't typically fully guaranteed beyond two years. Sometimes it goes into a third year. Sometimes all of a third year is fully guaranteed. And every once in a while, like Deshaun Watson, all five years, the NFLPA has suggested that the teams are coordinating, that it's not happening coincidentally, that it's happening as a result of coordination and collusion. The teams are refusing to do it. That hovers over all of this as well. If there is an opportunity For Lamar Jackson to negotiate with other teams, Peter, the union, as you pointed out, will be watching very carefully. So if it is non exclusive franchise tag, if it is transition tag, if it's just nothing, go try to find the deal that you can't find here. The negotiations, the offers, the lack thereof, that's something that I think the union will watch very carefully for any evidence of collusion. But the thing about collusion, if the people involved in the process are smart, You're never going to find evidence of it, even if it's happening. They're not going to text, hey, we should all refuse to offer Lamar Jackson a five-year fully guaranteed deal. A lot of it's implied, and when it's time to piece a case together, you're never going to find a smoking gun, Peter.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look, again, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's we will know sometime in the next two months. But I think this is just going to be one of those very well-covered stories uh, that everybody will be trying to sort of ferret out uh, if there is uh, interest in, let's say, Carolina or the Jets or Washington or, or someplace else that we're not even thinking of. You know, some team that might be in love with Lamar Jackson and be willing to stretch a little bit. Now, Mike, especially with the cap going up in the coming years, I think it'd be pretty easy to build a contract and, and backload it. And even if injuries really derail, continue to derail his career, it's not going to ruin your franchise. Obviously, it, would ha- it will hamstring your franchise. But, <clears throat> you know, I've heard probably the same thing that you have, that the cap is going to start to go up appreciably, in 24, 25, 26, not necessarily uh, in 23, and maybe not so much in 24, actually, but beyond that. And so if you are going to do a five-year, say, offer sheet to Lamar Jackson, you know, covering the 23 through 27 seasons, then I think it would be pretty easy to make a lot of that money Uh, you know, go into 25, 26, and 27 when you're going to be able to afford it more on the cap. So, you know, we'll see. I don't think it's impossible, but this really is going to come with a buyer beware tag uh, on Lamar Jackson because of his injury history the last two years. And that cap will be going up in large part because
0: the losses from the pandemic were smoothed out over multiple years. Once that money has all been replenished, that's when the new TV deals, the gambling money, everything is going to cause the salary cap to skyrocket by the end of the decade. All right. Well, if the Ravens do move on from Lamar Jackson, the problem is they have built their entire offense around him. They would have to do some significant changes to their overall attack if they were to change the style of quarterback and one quarterback who will be available and currently is as a practical matter available is Derek Carr he posted his farewell yesterday to the Las Vegas Raiders and it's really not a surprise the moment that he was benched that's when we knew that this day was coming They benched him because they wanted to keep him healthy so they could keep their options open for moving on from him. There's his statement. And look, he has said in the past he was either going to play for the Raiders or be golfing. And he meant it at the time. Of course he did. But we all knew that if the Raiders ever cut him loose, that would change his mind. We have the benefit of seeing these career cycles play out. And we know that what a guy believes when he's 25 or 26 and he can't envision ever not being with that team... We've seen plenty of guys who are with a team that they never thought would not want them around, suddenly not want them around. That changes your perspective. And Derek Carr, clearly, based on his statement, intends to play elsewhere. That's not a surprise. The question now becomes, Peter, <clears throat> is there any way the Raiders can work out a trade knowing that the way his contract is structured, $40.4 million becomes fully guaranteed on February 15th? No trade can happen until the first day of the league year. They can have an unofficial deal in place. The new team can walk away without consequence at any time before both teams turn the key on the activation of the trade when the new league year begins. I continue to believe firmly. I'm very curious about your thoughts on this. I firmly believe they're not going to be able to work out a trade. And at the end of the day, I don't think Derek Carr should do anything to facilitate it because, The Raiders are turning their back on him, and I believe his best interests are served by becoming a free agent and going to the market a month before the market opens for the typical unrestricted free agent and doing the best deal possible with one of four, five, six teams that decide to aggressively
1: chase him. You know, Mike, this is a real complicated one. Before the year, one of my brilliant predictions was I think Derek Carr is going to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. And he obviously, he was closer to being a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. And I think there's going to be a lot of questions about Derek Carr and being in an offense with Josh McDaniels, um, you know, who obviously coached Tom Brady the majority of his career in New England. And the results there were pretty good, <laughs> you know. And I think now you look at Derek Carr, particularly his performance down the stretch of the season. Mike, in the month of December, he played four games. He was a 54% passer with a negative touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, He never threw for over 250 yards in those four games. Uh, And after the Steelers game, where he threw the three picks and... Did everything he could to, you know, to allow the Steelers to come back in this game and and to win that game, uh, that emotional Franco Harris game. I don't know, Mike. I I have, uh, and again, look, Derek Carr clearly clearly has good football left. My question is, does he have the kind of football left that someone is going to pay? Uh, you know, $40 million a year for. And again, I think that is something that is a huge issue to question when you ask your, uh, you know, when you ask if there's a team out there and let's say the first team I think of is the Jets. But when you ask if there's a team out there that's willing to take that risk, Uh, I mean, the first team that comes to mind is the Jets, not knowing anything, and I'm sure that they don't know anything yet. But then you ask yourself, well, who's going to coach this guy? In Washington, there's no offensive coordinator. With the Jets, there's no offensive coordinator. So, I mean, there's all sorts of issues right now with quarterback-needy teams that have to be asked and answered internally before you go after Derek Harper. But the one thing you did say, you're absolutely right. I think he ends up getting released. I don't see any reason why, unless there's some really extenuating circumstances, I don't see any reason why he would agree to help the Raiders trade him after the way it ended uh, in Vegas. Yeah, I think the very simple
0: approach for Derek Carr is, hey, Raiders, you got two choices to make by February 15. You cut me or you commit to $40.4 million fully guaranteed over the next two years. And if you want to screw with me after that, if you want to bench me, if you want to tell me to stay home, not that teams are allowed to do that anymore, but if it's going to be an unpleasant experience, it doesn't matter because I'm still making $40.4 million. If it's unpleasant for me, it's going to be unpleasant for you. And, Peter, you made the other point, too. What team is going to want to take on this? When we first talked about this, you made this point, and it's an excellent one. What team is going to want to take on a three-year deal that pays out on average $38.7 million with that $40.4 million fully guaranteed on the way through the door? Who's going to want to do that and give up draft capital? I don't think anyone's going to want to do it because I've had people make this argument to me. Well, he should want to be traded because that's the only way he's getting his $40.4 Well, folks, don't you realize if a team has to give up a second-round pick or whatever on top of guaranteeing 40400000 million, they'd probably pay more if he was on the open market? It doesn't make any sense. That's the reality of it. No, it no. So whatever he's worth, he's worth. And if I were his agent, I'd take full advantage of this opportunity. I'd say to the Raiders— all right, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll explore the possibility of a trade. And I would use the next few weeks to find out what's out there financially. Who's willing to pay and how much are they willing to pay? You get a head start on what's to come by going through the motions of cooperating with the Raiders. And who knows? Maybe there's a chance we decide to. But for now, we're just going to find out who's interested. You mentioned one team that fascinates me, the Commanders. And it fascinates me because his former head coach in Oakland, Jack Del Rio is still the defensive coordinator there. I'd love to know what Del Rio is going to say to GM Martin Mayhew and head coach Ron Rivera about whether they should sprint to get Derek Carr, walk slowly, go in a different direction. Those are things that Jack Del Rio, even given his habit of periodic loquaciousness, would probably not tell the world. I'd love to know what he's telling them about whether or not they need to go after Derek Carr, because they've become kind of like Colts light in this never-ending quest for a veteran quarterback, and you spin the wheel every year and it lands on a name. This is one you've got some inside information on, because you got the
1: guy who coached him for multiple years in Oakland. I don't know what Jack Del Rio would say about him, but I do think that almost regardless of what he says about him, unless it's something really damaging, and I doubt it, Derek Carr is a prince of a guy. um, I I think this is going to be based more, Mike, on the tape of the last couple of years rather than on what his coach four years ago thought, or however, five years ago, I think now, right? His last year with him was 2017. I think that's right. May have been tw- I I forget. Yes. But I guess like 17. I guess the other part of this is we're going to be in an era this post this off season and it's not going to be unprecedented, but we're going to be in a year where I think some very interesting quarterbacks are either going to be available or uh we don't know whether they're going to be locked into their team. The other guy who I think is very interesting right now, like, let me ask you this question, Mike. If you had your choice, opening day quarterback 2023, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, who would you take?
0: Wow. wow. Well, first of all, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be available. But, but, between the two... Probably Daniel Jones, because in today's NFL, the best quarterbacks are the ones who can make plays both with their arms and with their legs.
1: I would agree with you, and that's why, to me, I, I, I think so, too. I think somehow, someway, the Giants, maybe with a bridge contract, three years, $120 million, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I, I'm absolutely throwing crapola at the wall. Uh, but I I think they're going to get some sort of contract done with Daniel Jones because it makes too much sense. Not only because Daniel Jones has played well, but because he has to think that I can't be any place better than with Brian Dayball. Look, I don't think Mike Kafka is going to get a job this year, a head coaching job. Who knows? Maybe he will, but I, I don't think he will. And for Daniel Jones, 2023, how could you be in a better position than with Brian Daybol and Mike Kafka, and and with the purse strings a little bit loosened, knowing that you will have three new receivers on your team in 2023, so it won't be let's go to the Bills practice squad or what, however they got Isaiah Hudgens, you know let let's let's just let's take somebody's you know leftovers. I think they are going to be able to, whether it be in the draft, uh, you know, or maybe even in free agency, go out and really help themselves at the skill positions. I think Daniel Jones with the Giants next year could really be very good.
0: And, you know, the bottom line is Daniel Jones is in the playoffs this weekend and Derek Carr is and and somehow he's gotten it done with a patchwork of receivers who wouldn't simply not be starters on another team as peter said they're, they're on their practice squad these are guys that that you know can't make it anywhere else it's the flip on the frank sinatra line if you can make it here you can make it anywhere these are guys who are making it after not making it anywhere else they're making it in new york with the giants because the giants have no other options all right we're going to take a break when we return we're going to dive into the afc wildcard matchups as super Wild Card Weekend looms. More PFT Live right after this.